I mean, that's ludicrous. These nosebleed levels were orchestrated by a cartel of just four banks, though, holding the book on paper traders, while simultaneously controlling the supply of physical silver. Upon the breakout, gold's going to make a new all-time high. Gold-backed ETFs in inflows of over $5 billion. Point eight trillion dollar gold market. Why are we the only guys that see all this Hey, welcome to Live from the Vault. My name is Shane Moran and I'll be your host for this episode and you need to fasten your seatbelts. We're talking silver today. This is going to be a blockbuster silver update for you. So hang in there. Uh, we're heading over to talking gold and no, we're not talking gold. I said we're talking silver today. You're not going to want to miss any part of this. Now, Right now, uh, just before we go over to Andy McGuire uh, talking gold, we're going to ask you to keep spreading the word about this channel by liking, by sharing. Of course, you want to smash that subscribe button, not now, but right now, and then hit the bell notification so we'll notify you as these episodes go live. So with that, let's go over to the UK and talking gold with Andrew McGuire. Now, Andy, uh, this is, I know we've got a big silver update. I'm fired up. I'm excited. But as usual, can we start this episode by talking about what you're seeing in the market? I know last time we got farm payrolls out of the way and now we're moving into the season. Can you just bring us up to date? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, nice to see you again, Shane, of course. I hear you coming back into the Europe side of the world, so uh, it would be nice to have you uh, closer by. But uh, yes, I think uh, we have to look at, yeah, I want to talk about silver, big time. Um, but I think um, we need to, as you say, these are the lot of questions come in all the time, short-term action, what's going on, what's happened between the last episode, what's going to happen next, you know. And, and obviously we have to look at that because Although, hey, if you're a stacker, you're just reveling in this and you're reveling in any kind of discount. But it's it's important to know, you know, where we're going from and a wholesale market view really of it. And so non-farm payroll, you're right, non-farm payrolls actually threw a bit of a curveball into those betting on the Fed tapering aggressively into the end of the year. Um, which is obviously not, not wasn't going to be ideal for gold on the face of it. But actually, that's a bigger story there, which we'll do another time. But let's start by looking at the footprints, because this is the important thing that we, that we need to look at. So very short term, and obviously we look at the charts on a short term basis, medium term, long term. You know, I guess really suits everybody. So we try and cover everybody's, um, you know, focus here. And if you're a stacker. Well, by crikey, why are you looking at a 10 minute, 20 minute chart? You're not going to do that, are you? Um, uh, very, so very short term, the, the algo driven action. We've talked about this algo driven action before. It's it leading it. What it led into was this. Uh, and let's not let's not kid ourselves. When a non-farm payrolls number comes out, obviously that data is known ahead of time by the officials, the people, the Fed officials, and also the trading arms of the of officials, which would be uh, some of these insider uh, banks that act as agent for them. And there's no that's no secret. That's been admitted. And they use they use do use insider banks um, or market making banks, as we call them in a, in a, in a more generous uh, way um, uh, to to act on behalf of them. So um, so really this non-farm payrolls miss that came. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind they probably knew this data by Wednesday, probably by Monday, but by Wednesday, and they undoubtedly capitalized on 
this miss. And then yesterday, now we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, yesterday we opened trading with the obligatory technical gap closing to fill. You know, when you see uh, something arise, usually in this algo-driven market, before the wholesale market has a chance to really catch up uh, fully, then you see gaps closed, i.e. The, uh, the sudden rise tends to be closed by the algos, especially if you're going to get, um, and in this case, the excuse was rising bond yields, slightly do stronger dollar, but really overdone. I mean, really counterintuitively overdone. These are just technical gaps. Um, but the depth of these gaps is really constrained as to where the largest wholesale bid aggregations are layered. And that's something which is, is not published. So this explains why we saw very strong and we see very strong physical demand and expanding premiums into this 100% algo driven action. Now, picking up the medium term pattern, because I think that's what a lot of people want to, especially a lot of hedge funds, etc., want to know, where's the medium term? And as we discussed uh, now, in fact, at least three years uh, when we started talking about Basel III, um, and this compliance coming into view now is in just 17 weeks. Now, the overhead open interest, and if you remember, open interest is simply the amount of available paper contracts that can trade, is it's contracting as unallocated gold contracts are either squared which short-term involves selling these gold longs, paper longs, and buying back the dollar. So creates a false bearish signal, which is exactly what we experienced into the downside gap closes yesterday and today. So that one-to-one, -one, uh, see, really, the, other, the only other solution to close this is to one-to-one -one back these positions with gold. Well, given that we started the paper physical unwind into Basel III, at around about 100 to 1. That's, in other words, 100 ounces of paper gold backing up each ounce of physical gold traded. Now, naturally, there are far more unallocated gold contracts to square than to one-to-one -one back with physical. And I mean, both are occurring, but as we could, can be seen by the immediate action, paper gold squaring, which involves first selling this long paper gold position and buying back the dollar, this process has once, once more generated a false bearish read. And yes, once again, the paper speculators, these are the guys that are being used as bait, have been led by the nose to capitulate and their gain, and a nice way, it's a nicer way of saying puke up their gains and hand all this lovely short covering fuel back to the instigators. And that's why we've always recommended, look, you don't trade these paper markets unless you've got very large, deep pockets. Now, and also, we've also talked about how they hold the book and they can see where your stops are. So, you know, you know, you have to have a, you know, a, a real uh, focus on where you want to be, why you want to be there. And certainly from a stacker's perspective, hey, who cares? And, but as we looked at last time, and it's important to keep this in mind when looking at the short-term action uh, and obviously to accommodate Basel III, paper gold uh, futures liquidity, open interest has already contracted. This is visible on the COMEX uh, by over 300,000 contracts into the price rise from the $1,450 March 2020 low. So that contracted into that level. 
You wouldn't think that, would you? You'd think, you, you wouldn't think that would be the case. You'd think that if this market was continually going to be capped, that you would consistently see, as we did in 2011, higher and higher and higher open interest, i.e. somebody, a market maker, generating a fresh trade that says, hey, I'm going to short this, so it comes out of thin air, and that creates open interest. So, obviously, this is a, a contraction, so one has to keep in mind, and the, the very small recent open interest additions, I think there's probably a 6,000 recently, they largely reflect physical buyers coming in to take delivery of the October uh, COMEX contract. And the paper to physical unwind is definitely clearly evident. But what is harder to discern is that the same is happening in the 10 times larger over-the-counter foreign exchange gold market, because that is the market for gold. Yes, it trades on the COMEX, but really the biggest market is the long dollar short gold or long gold short dollar trade. It is like any other currency cross. It is just a currency, but it is happening, guys. So keep stacking while these fools keep selling. Now, Andy, just before we started this episode, I know you got me all fired up about what you're seeing in the wholesale market. Can you share with our viewers uh, what's happening in the wholesale market? Yeah, I mean, Shane, you're right. This, this follows actually a ton of quizzical questions about the extremely counterintuitive action in silver in particular. And I thought it a good time because everyone knows silver is in strong demand, the wholesale demand, the wholesale supply is tight, etc. So come on, you know, why are we why are we seeing these paper discounts? So I thought it was a good time to share with everybody what we see from a wholesale market view. And this is really about silver today, mate. And this is what I'm going to cover. So as far as silver is concerned, and as we recently discussed in previous episodes, while every single offer to sell silver at current levels is a bargain for stackers, clearly, as well as for smart money, which we see, um, what we have been waiting for be adding, before adding in more silver longs and telling the trading clients that, what, that watch what we're doing to when to buy more silver longs, that is, these are people who are not going to get stopped out, these are people who are trading against the insiders, is for the insiders to move aggressively into the short gold long silver ratio trade, which is simply a, a spread trade between uh, between gold and silver. So in other words, it's just a bet really that silver will fare better or worse than gold for a relatively low risk exposure. So we see a lot of the insiders um, trading this. So, so this actually trade flies under the radar for many traders and many stackers. Um, but when weighed up alongside the wholesale action, it actually reveals a lot about what the casino house members are actually up to. So as we also identified in our last episode, the bullish for silver trade was in its early stages with the short gold long silver trade estimated to accelerate this September and into the end of the year, we talked about this. And very short term, algo gap filling action aside, which we're seeing again today, yesterday, um, this trade clearly looks on, but it'll largely fly under the radar because gold will also be rising into the end of the year, into Basel III compliance. So, you know, it, it is something that people, not, not everyone looks at this. And stock, we're also moving into season. So both in gold and silver will be in strong physical demand, while gold rises into its Basel III sweet spot between estimated 2300, 2500. 
silver will also rise. Now, that's going to be driven by a very noticeable wholesale bar shortage. Now, if you recall, in our last episode, following the infamous August 8th house-rigged sell-off, which was actually a targeting gold uh, as part of this unallocated gold unwind we've just described, for the first time in history, we evidenced a market dislocation in silver that had actually briefly made Comex silver attractive enough to be locked in and demanded for delivery at a price which was, again, attractive enough to be bought back by a refiner who had wholesale boarded orders they couldn't actually fulfill. Now, Andrew, on our last episode, it was incredible to hear this exact same thing. How, how is it that, that the Comex... Okay, we know the Comex silver is cheap, but you're saying that a refiner is buying it back. Can you just maybe go into more details of how does, how does this happen? Yeah, well, this is what, if you remember, we, we, looked, we, we looked at that last time and, and it, it was, what had happened was on August the 8th, because gold was being attacked, uh, what happened was silver, the floor fell out of silver. And it, what happened was the COMEX, because the COMEX open interest suddenly evaporated, um, there was, um, in fact, if you remember, uh, September silver at the time was trading at a, at a five cent discount to the spot market, which was trading at a premium to spot. So, in other words, suddenly, and there we were trying to obtain silver for clients, and we're going in and, and trying to order size, and we were told there wasn't enough size to fill your orders. So, clearly, the refiners then turned around and said, well, okay, we'll just we can get physical silver from the COMEX. Let's buy it. We've got a five cents here. We've got a, 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 a 10 or an eight to 10 cent premium that we can charge uh, over, over spot. It's a no brainer. So, so that's what happened. And, and it only, okay, they jumped in. That arbitrage trade quickly got shut down because it was costing them physical. But backwardated COMEX silver right through from September all the way through to December including December, had become the cheapest deliverable silver on the planet Earth. Okay, as I say, this trade is now arbitraged uh, because the insiders have to stem uh, this condition from occurring again. And it means they must allow the price to rise as we move into season here in September. But as we discussed last time, look, silver in particular has two really strong drivers that we see right now. One is the imbalance between what is available at refineries, at current prices, that is, and current premiums, into very strong physical demand. And the other thing we see is what we just discussed, this ratio trade unwind. And as we recently covered, uh, by March 2020, the gold-silver ratio uh, had been synthetically, I think we talked about this last time, it had been driven to 125, over 125 and a half to one. I mean, that's ludicrous. These nosebleed levels were orchestrated by a cartel of just four banks, though, holding the book on paper traders, while simultaneously controlling the supply of physical silver. But within five months, the ratio fell a massive 56.5 points, all the way from 125 and a half to 69 to one. That's, that's a massive move. And since then, Insiders have been all over this trade while adding physical silver for their own books. And most recently, two weeks ago, at 75.7 to 1, which was a notable number because we were talking about it with several large buyers. And the paper silver spec traders 
And really, when you think about it, if you look at the COT report, you can see the same thing. It's very, very, very similar. But the paper spectators are pretty much tapped out. I mean, for rinsing purposes. So there's very little mileage in squeezing specs as these remaining longs are largely fully funded, long-term bullish bets that are going to be uh, hung on to. So bottom line, the silver cartel, and it is a cartel, has successfully coordinated a regime of stealthy bid pulling. They're not going short here. And all the major moving averages, because they have a concentrated position, because they, they are a cartel, they can control the price by pulling bids. And, and then obviously what happens creates a vacuum. Um, and then they take the long side of every single synthetic sell order and then converting the under the radar over the counter spot silver price into physical. So it starts in the COMEX and really ends up in the over the counter market where they, they lock in a price of physical silver and then go and pay a premium to go and get it. Uh, but they're going to be restricted as to how much they get. Now, obviously, conversely, if you look at the three-day purposely delayed, uh, three-day delayed COT report, absolutely no excuse for that to be delayed three days. That data is available to be published every evening, and it is you become a tool of the of the cartel. But it's been systematically painted to look bearish, and it telegraphs the opposite message, which same in gold too, um, as the shorts that they show are actually hedged with long spot index positions. So in other words, they're not naked. Um, I mean, the portion of them are naked because there's still some unallocated positions that are hedging these. So paper to paper still, but that's unwinding. It's important to know that. So again, bottom line here and now we see an almost identical setup to March 2020. But this time insiders have been capitalizing on a freshly derived 77 to 1 silver gold ratio printed just two weeks ago on Friday the 20th of August. And on Friday, last Friday, following non-farm perils, they once again showed their hands and they drove the ratio from 75.7 to 73.95. Okay, seems like small moves, but this is them at work. And um, so let's look at this cartel through the eyes of a wholesale market participant seeking to fill large orders of physical. That's the best way to look at this. And although there are several fingers in this pie, as far as silver's concerned, an 80-20 Pareto view focuses our attention on UBS, JP Morgan, HSBC, and Standard Charter. Yeah, okay, City's in the mix, but it's primarily these four and that we're focusing on as the primary bullion banks who've locked down wholesale silver supply. Now, they affect these constraints through direct bank controls of metals accounts. It's that's how they do it. And then they they're able because they they control these bank, these, these metals accounts. They then issue red warning flags to anyone who is not playing the game, i.e. Uh, OK, we can give an example, probably the best way as an example, standard chartered holds the bank account for one very, very large Eastern Bloc refinery that we buy from too, who, for good reason, we're not gonna, they're going to remain nameless. Um, this means that if we try and fulfill a client's tonnage order that exceeds a prearranged monthly annual limit that we're allowed to, that we've signed up for, minimum and maximum, they will know who we are if we try to exceed that. Now, because why? Because they'll see the bank 
transaction. And this gives them visibility into these orders and the ability to issue a red flag warning to the refiner not to supply us. Now, bottom line, there are hundreds of tons of willing buyers at current prices that would be limited to what we or they can actually buy. Now, in this example, which is mirrored by all cartel members, even if we offer a much larger premium over spot to obtain these bars, in this instance, if we outbid Standard Chartered, and all other customers for that matter, in a fair marketplace, what's that going to do? The orders would get fulfilled. We would take precedence. Obviously, we're paying more. But that would, and of course, that's going to raise the bid over spot and raise the spot price ultimately to an equilibrium price for all buyers, which is what supply demand is supposed to do. But, you know, so, so really, that for any commodity, that's how supply demand is supposed to be uh, determined. Now, if the refiner fulfills its monthly minimum contractual delivery obligations and a sufficient premium is offered over spot to fill anything not contractually obliged to be delivered, in other words, anything spare, it makes sense for the refiner to supply any excess silver at a much higher profit margin. However, they're blocked from doing so. We just explained how. Why this interference? Because these four market-making banks have formed a cartel controlling the banking arrangements of producers and largest refineries, all the key producers and largest refineries. And the provision of metals contracts to producers and refiners, the cartel has successfully been able to constrict the amount of silver, but also control the price. That's how this game works. But by financing refineries and producers, each of the financing banks has a finger on the pulse and will and does hold a red card if any customer seeks to fulfill orders that would pressure the wholesale market to raise, uh, rise significantly above the cartel's determined price range or volumes for that matter. And this is the key thing. This includes clients such as the ETFs, including SLV, and that explains why SLV announced on the 3rd of February uh, of this year that demand for silver exceeded the ability to fill orders, which had actually escalated from the silver squeeze that began on the 28th of January. Hey, if there's orders, why weren't they filled? And I know we covered this back in February, but even if we put aside the observation that it would be logistically impossible to securely onboard and count in uh, over 102,500 physical 1,000-ounce bars. I mean, come on. Uh, in, 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 there's just five uh, London vaults. And in just three sessions, logistically, it's impossible. But for the custodian to then announce that there was insufficient silver to fulfill incoming physical orders was an absolute clear admission that the price was being capped by the key APs and the custodian uh, uh, authorized participants, obviously, and the key custodian, who? JP Morgan. Why? Because a cartel, as a cartel, they control virtually all global silver supply. And in the case of SLV on January the 28th, were caught wrong-footed short a very large tranche of written silver calls and sold forwards. So, you know, getting technical, what they've done is bet against it rising in big size. Now, in the real world, recognizing this massive opportunity, we've got clients of a very large size who've secured sufficient funds to form a buying cartel, seeking to circumvent this cartel. 
and to make an impact on the global price by paying for and taking delivery well over a thousand and possibly two thousand tons of physical silver. Well, clearly this transaction would circumvent this cartel, it would break it and immediately drive the offer price to sell wholesale silver up globally, completely breaking this cartel into, into smithereens. Now, we get calls every day asking where billionaire funds can put their money. Now, remember, I discussed this in my Mark, uh, in, in my, in my Mark Faber interview, and I'm amazed no one has attempted to do this before. But it's realistic. It's realistically close to becoming possible now as we've sourced a supplier who can actually secure a sufficiently large metals account sourced, key thing here, outside of the cartel's closed loop. Now, this is, if you think about it, this is a win-win for the supplier. Sitting on supply, they get a really much higher price. The buyer benefits from driving up sequentially higher silver price based on real supply-demand fundamentals as well as the bankers supplying the money as a, at a favorable interest rate. I mean, this is a perfect trade. This is something I am amazed that no one's put together yet. However, actually, this is not all that bad for the cartel. They've been at this game a long time. And while the cartel banks have been profiting from a sufficient position concentration, uh, as we discussed a minute ago, that's enabled them to lock down the silver market inside this virtual casino, they've simultaneously been accruing a massive long physical silver position for their house accounts, securing the knowledge that silver is significantly undervalued. And so as we know, silver is the only commodity on earth that is below 1980 price levels, which on the 18th of January, uh, 1980 silver peaked at under just under 50 bucks it was 49.45 while gold peaked at 850 in round numbers so despite official management i mean gold is still a thousand dollars roughly higher than where silver closed on friday at 24.65 that i mean i mean that is 24 dollars and 65 lower than its 1980 peak is what i'm trying to say so ludicrous situation and it should not exist, and it will not exist for very much longer. So regardless, we see the timing for the cartel to take the little off silver and to and really to benefit from a very large physical driven price rise, as well as to enormously profit from this paper short gold, long silver gold ratio trade, which will, which by then, which, you know, so when these same actors are Basel III compliant in gold in just what, 17 I mean, 17 weeks. We know, as we know, these same gold traders by end of the year will be also will be long physical gold for every ounce of unallocated currently traded. And if they didn't allow silver to rise, the ratio trade would explode. It'd be unsustainable to see a ratio of 250 to one. It's ludicrous. This would be the perfect time for the same actors to openly be go long silver and to benefit from a significant price revaluation while profiting from this paper trade as silver reverts to pretty much our, our estimate, most liquidity providers, most of the people we talk to are looking at about 32 to one. Maybe at some point, maybe it'll be sometime next year, but 63 to one should be the next stair step, realistically. So even at around 1900, assuming that gold doesn't rise into its levels, which we are sure it will, 
there's no reason silver won't be trading around. Uh, that, I mean, that's silver at 30 bucks right there. Um, but with, allocated, with allocated gold at around 23 to, to 2,500, there's no reason silver won't be trading between 50 and 70 by the end of January 2022. Really, once this, and this is aside from the, the, the plan to actually break this market. And as, uh, so really, as far as we can now determine, when silver futures were briefly driven into a sub-23 print on the Friday the 20th, insiders moved in on this extremely profitable ratio trade again. And we saw what happened last time they did that in March 2020. And as we previously assessed, and after the post-non-farm payroll structure, uh, which, which backs all of this up, the next stair-step rally in gold already began on August the 8th at 1678, from where they will also continue to reap rewards for their long physical gold positions as gold moves between 23-2500 into Basel III compliance on the 31st of December. That'll probably happen quicker than that, but in, in reality. Now, the realization that Comex Silver has become the cheapest source of physically deliverable wholesale silver supply on the planet Earth is making it much harder for the cartel to tamp down price. Yes, we're seeing these moves lower, but it's really, we're now talking, if you draw back and look at the bigger charts, it's really very, very shallow. And so in the interim, we're assisting a stealthy move by a very large entity to spread orders out under the radar to pay larger premiums and to secure a lot of physical before the cartel can figure out what's happened. And then, uh, I mean, look, basically, to sum it up, really, the cartel has locked down the COMEX from being hunt-brothered as any entity that ever sought to convert too many COMEX futures contracts into physical for real delivery will be red carded and their metals accounts pressured to be closed by the authorized COMEX delivery agent. That's a red card. Happens to us with UBS, it'll happen to others. Nevertheless, the current profitable metals account monopoly is currently attracting fresh non-cartel government banking interest. And I see us very close to the time for the LBMA market-making insiders will need to raise the containment price of the over-the-counter market to stem outflows of silver they cannot control. So the fresh stair step in silver uh, has, that was also established on August the 8th at uh, 22,295. And risk reward now is clearly skewed to the upside. And this is attracting non-traditional investment interest at a time when silver is tens of dollars under fair value. Amazing, amazing times for silver stackers, physical silver. Uh, that's the way to go. Thank you so much, Andrew McGuire uh, over there in the UK talking gold. But today we're talking silver. So be sure to help us out. Spread the word. Get this information out to people that you know, like and trust and hit that like button. Uh, be sure to share, subscribe, hit the bell notification, and we will see you next time on Live from the Vault. Bye for now.